Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Forever Blue podcast. The last one before the festive period really kicks into gear. And the first one after City's victory against Leicester. A very, very impressive victory, I have to say. Uh, but just before a, a lot of busy games coming up in the new year, certainly, and over the festive period. Uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman and, of course... Uh, as I say every week, we're sponsored on the podcast by charleslouis.co.uk, who are a chartered mortgage advisor. And this might be the time of year, not maybe right now, but certainly into the new year, and a lot of people are looking at buying a new home uh, or moving or whatever. If you need advice, then contact charleslouis.co.uk. I'm in contact with Dave, who is uh, one of the, the main people at that company, and I can tell you he's an absolute big blue, he's a genuine blue, and he would be delighted to try to help you or your family family if you need mortgage advice. If you don't want to talk to him directly, the phone number, of course, will be on the website. Then just have a look at the website, charleslouis.co.uk, and you'll get lots of advice on there. It's a, it's a very well-designed uh, website, and I thank them, of course, for supporting uh, the the podcast. Now, with me today is Matty, who's a regular on uh, the Forever Blue podcast. we also got Emily, who's also another regular. And we have Nathan, who's an occasional, who's becoming more regular, who uh, I met earlier this season out in Ukraine. And uh, is is one of the youngest members of the uh, the Blue uh, Forever Blue uh, podcast. So thanks very much for coming along, Nathan. All right, hat trick of appearances tonight. Hat trick, so, yeah, right. looking oh, forward right. to it. So uh, we should give him a bit of a round of applause. I think the hat trick, right? Welcome. Okay, so we, we, let's start off. Uh, one, one of the subjects I want to talk about a little bit later on is, of course, the cup draw against United in the, uh, the semi-final of the Carabao Cup or the League Cup, as people will remember it. We'll also talk about Real Madrid. We'll talk about the the festive fixtures, the way that they fall, the fact that Sheffield United is kicking off at six o'clock on a on a Sunday night, you no, know, because of course the Friday night is the Wolves game and all that type of thing. I've mentioned before the Port Vale game kicking off at an odd time because of overseas coverage all sorts of things we talk about there and we are in a second going to talk about the match one other subject I'm going to talk about is something that's been in the news today which is that Arsenal Fan TV uh, has been getting a lot of stick from its own supporters so I'll be interested to know what you think of of those types of channels, of which I, of course, run one, which is the Forever Blue uh, YouTube channel. But I'd be interested to know what you think generally about about that and whether it's a kickback against channels like that generally or whatever. So there's a few different subjects. Let's start, though, by talking about Kevin De Bruyne and how unbelievably brilliant he is. <laughs> because I can't think of anything else to say, really. I mean, he was awesome. He dragged the team along on his back. Um, he, he is playing now as well as I've ever seen him play. He's an absolute inspiration. And we've talked in the past on the podcast about captaincy. And da David Silva, of course, has taken on that role as the official club captain. We see other players like Fernandinho, Raheem Sterling wearing the captain's arm. Man Otamendi wore it recently. But if ever there was a player that feels like he is the captain of City these days certainly by his actions, it would feel to me that it's Kevin De Bruyne. Have I got any opponents to that, that thought process? He's, he is the best midfielder in the world at the, at the minute, isn't he? I think there's no denying that. And yesterday just emphasised that fact. I think he has taken a little bit of a, uh, a while to settle into his rhythm. I think even yesterday at the end of the day, he, f he fell down with cramp. Maybe he is just getting back to his best now, but I think he's in double figures for assists already, scored six goals. One stat that blew my mind, though, was that in, against, who was it, he scored two goals. It was the first time he's ever scored two goals in a game for City, which is a madness. 
But um, yeah, he, he is an unbelievable player and he, he does drag the team when we're going through them rough games. And I think yesterday epitomised the city we've seen in previous seasons where high pressing, working hard off the ball. I think we've been a little bit off it this season in allowing teams to get through the middle of the park too much. And I think yesterday, the fact that he went down with cramp showed how hard he'd worked in that game. I think he is the most complete midfielder that I've seen in a long time. I think his his work rate off the ball is brilliant. His passing is incredible. His crossing is unbelievable. Even his finishing, he's just got everything. And I can't praise him highly enough. He's just amazing. Somebody I respect who's, who's a little bit of an older generation like me uh, said that when he first came to prominence, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, he was being car- uh, compared to Colin Bell. And that maybe for the first time now, he says, maybe that comparison is starting to get a little closer. He said he needs to score a few more goals yet, yeah, seems to have a bit more longevity, but he can start to see that comparison starting to happen. You obviously didn't see Colin play, Nathan, so no, you can't make that comparison. But uh, no, yesterday De Bruyne <laughs> was just uh, a different level. He's, um, he's for me, he's always been in that top tier. But in the last, especially last season, and now he's getting back to fitness, he's really just like cemented himself in what you can say is the world's greatest. The way he can control the game just by simple long like passes across the pitch. He, he's our he's our metronome almost, and. Um, one thing I thought yesterday was the fact that Bernardo played deeper. It kind of allowed De Bruyne to almost express himself a bit. Felt early on in the season when we were struggling against teams like Norwich, he was almost playing like a quarterback role. And I think he felt like he was a bit forced into trying to play the longer crosses and we fell into like a, a trap of being a bit predictable. But yesterday he was free, he was doing them charging runs where he gets the ball, first touch out of the feet and he's gained 10 yards. And that makes a big difference because we've been a bit slow, we've been a bit stale, I thought. And when he takes that extra 20 yards up the pitch, it pushes everyone forwards. I thought Mahrez had a good game yesterday. I guess still think he's a bit predictable. But when you've got a player like De Bruyne um, just capturing the opponent's attention, it, it allows players like Mares to really excel because he's not always got that two on him that's blocking the inside. So when De Bruyne does play better, it, it lifts the entire team, I think. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I mean, I, I walked in here and I said to you, I can't believe what a difference a fortnight makes because we were in here dissecting that dismal Derby Day defeat and now we've been unbeaten since then. And yesterday, Can you believe they just lost to Watford? No, well, it's painful. And that's the frustrating part for me. And it was the, the lack of desire on the day that really got to me. You know, like the players didn't seem to know what it meant to the fans. Like, come on, it's Derby Day. What's going on? And and we dissected it. And, and I thought <laughs> we were kind of scratching our heads. It was baffling because we've got the players and we know what they're capable of. And yesterday was just something else. I sat here and I said to you, a big sigh and I was like oh god Vardy not looking forward to Leicester we know what he's going to do and Guardiola came out and he said look we know what Vardy's all about and that's why we played such a high press to combat that so we know that against defenders he will tear them a new one because of his pace he's absolutely rapid so that's why we pressed up so hard we almost suffocated Leicester's defence we grabbed him and we went like full throttle against him pressed really high to combat and that was that attack I keep saying it all the time on Twitter attack 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 will always be our best form of defense because we're so good at it and it was so good to watch yesterday Mares in that first half terrorizing that right side I thought he was absolutely brilliant and on the 
the second half down that right. Him and De Bruyne were doing a little dance like a symphony together. And there was like one, there was a part where they were just dancing with each other down the right. And if it would have, if one of them would have finished it and it would have been a goal, it would have been sensational. But I thought Gundogan as well deserved the praise yesterday. I thought he was superb, criminally underrated. Why people use him as a scapegoat is beyond me. And I'll always come on here and defend him because yesterday he was brilliant. I just thought everything clicked and Bernardo as well, back to last season's form. So everything was but perfect. We've missed his legs in midfield. Yeah. I think. When David when David Silva's been there, I think although he's a brilliant footballer, I think he's at that age now where he can't maintain that high press and he can't work that hard off the ball, whereas Bernardo has them legs. I don't think quality-wise Bernardo's still at the level that he should be, but I think he has that work rate that allows De Bruyne to sort of have his own movement off the ball. Um, defensively, there's still frailties there. It was one ball over the top and they were 1-0 up after we'd battered them for 25, 30 minutes or whenever they scored. So there are still them concerns, but they're going to be there until we have our centre-backs back. I think Mendy deserves some praise as well. I think he played well for the first time this season. Yesterday, I thought he was really good. I was surprised a little bit at how poor Leicester were because I think they allowed Mahrez and Sterling to have too much space on the on the whip and they had Mendy and Walker pressing on as well. So I was a bit surprised by them, but I think we have to look at the positives rather than Leicester's negatives. And yeah, we were brilliant yesterday. I mean, I actually thought uh, Riyad Mahrez was, was outstanding. I mean, when, as soon as he came out, it looked like he really wanted it. Uh, and if we see that Riyad Mahrez regularly, then what a player City have got. Unfortunately, we haven't seen that regularly. Um, he is a little bit predictable. I take the point that Nathan makes, and I said that. Cuts when inside City fans, all the time, you know what yeah, he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he scored the goal, and the crowd went crazy when he scored it. It was a great crowd roar. I loved that roar yesterday when the ball hit the back of the net. It was seemed bigger than normal, actually, uh, somehow. But. It also took a deflection on the way through and you knew that somewhere he was going to do that. Now, that's fine. Sometimes a player can do the obvious, like Messi does sometimes. You think, ah, I know what he's going to do and he still does it because he's just so brilliant at it. If he has that determination, that edge, uh, I think Mares can be anything. And I'm loving Kyle Walker at the moment. His attitude, I don't know if it's just come from when he was in goal at Atalanta, <laughs> you know, but he's suddenly become this sort of... Big character and uh, you know real determination and you know every you can pick faults in all players. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. None of you are perfect. I but all oh, right, okay, fair <laughs> enough. But Kyle Walker at the moment, it, it just feels like he's you know he's he's, a, he's six inches taller than he was before before that that game. Yeah, he's uh, he's really. I think he's really stepped up with the with Cancelo coming in because I, I, he thought it was it was a big money purchase for the club and uh, to be honest I've not been that impressed with Cancelo himself but Walker has really he's upped his game he's he's always, he's almost like taken the role of okay our defense isn't great you know I'm going to have to do something about it is his pace and his uh, I think he tries to bully plays a bit too much sometimes against against Arsenal I think he was trying to always leave one on the winger and he is a bit of a bit of a worry for me sometimes I think he can maybe be a bit of a, an issue there like within bookings and stuff but it's, it's the playing determination you just can't falter and if every player puts that determination in on the pitch then you all you've got to do is add a couple couple of goals and you, you, not many teams can do better 
I certainly think that uh, the, the point that you've already highlighted about De Bruyne allowing freedom for people because of the movement he was making was a significant part of it. It looked to me as if Bernardo was playing in a different position. Um, and you mentioned Gundogan, Emily. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Ilkay Gundogan as well. And uh, this is the sort of slightly controversial bit because I've mentioned it before. Rodri didn't start the game yesterday and I felt all season really when we've talked about whether Fernandinho should be playing in that central defensive midfield role that you've lost so much with him going back to centre-back Rodri hasn't filled that he might be a very competent and very good footballer I'm not nobody would question that not I wouldn't anyway but because certainly at the moment he, he does slow progression down a little bit and I felt that Gundogan on his own in that position and Fernandinho by the way joining in from the back quite a lot you know coming forward and spraying the ball out I think that those were obviously KDB as well but there were those were significant parts of why City was so good I think um one of Leicester's problems yesterday was I don't want to talk about Leicester too much but I think they were their own worst enemies that they tried the fact to play that long ball too much and after 35 minutes when they scored and I was like oh it was so predictable I knew that they were going to score like, like into that, in that fashion I then realised why he was playing Bernardo in that position was because he has that legs that Rodri doesn't have. I think Rodri plays better when when the play's in in front of him almost, and he's reading it and trying to cut out passing lines. But Pep knew that Leicester were going to play that ball over top, use the pace of Vardy, etc. So by sticking Bernardo in the middle, he, he then pressed their 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 out ball because they were always just going to play that deep ball after either centre half or the holding midfielder over the top. They ne- ne- Madison didn't have a kick all game because they, n- they never had any intention of using him. He was just taking up space in the middle. So Bernardo's energy there, uh, with Gundogan as well, fair play to him. I'm, I'm, I'm a critic again of Gundogan, but them two in the middle there, cutting out that ball over the top, nullified them, and they ran out of ideas eventually. I think I think the thing with Gundogan is people get really conflicted and confused by um, his positions because he, he doesn't tend to work in an eight position, but in a six, he really thrives for me. And he was... And, I get this, his nickname as well, Silk, Silky, because he was just pinging the balls around for fun. He, he was like pulling the strings in that position. And I just, I love watching him. I think he's such an intelligent player and he should be our penalty taker. No doubt in my mind, <laughs> job done. But I want to say as well, I want to say an apology because I kind of felt like I've, I wrote Mendy off a little bit. And I'll hold my hands up and admit, against Arsenal and yesterday against Leicester, I thought he was superb, honestly. And I'm hoping that he'll continue in that vein as well because having powerful wing-backs like him and like Walker is the key to making Pep's system work. And that's one of the main reasons why we thrive so much. It all just clicked everybody in the right positions. Sterling was reasonably quiet. I thought Pereira dealt with him reasonably well in the first half, a little bit more energetic in the second but it was just, oh, it was just so good to watch yesterday. But that's why it's been frustrating for me this season because that's what we're capable of doing. That's the city that we know those players can perform and play like that. So where have they been hiding? That that that's for me is a good point because I think 
I get frustrated at fans. When City play the way they did yesterday and fans go, oh, see, you shouldn't have been saying anything bad about Walker or Gundogan or Mendy because they've been brilliant today. It's like, yeah, but that's today. We want to see that consistently throughout the season. The standards at City are so high. And if you're not at them standards, you deserve to be criticised. And it frustrates me when people go, see, I told you he was brilliant. It's like, yeah, but he hasn't been brilliant. And yesterday, when he does play that way, he deserves all the praise in the world. Mares, Walker, Gundogan. They can be scapegoats at times, completely agree with that. And people do go over the top with their criticism. And if they do one bad pass, it's like, oh, he's crap, get him out of this club. <laughs> that That's completely unjustified and I don't agree with that. But I think sometimes fans do get really touchy about criticism of players and it's like... And well, yeah, but uh, Yeah, and Pep. He deserves criticism sometimes as well. He doesn't know everything. Doesn't mean he's not a brilliant manager, but when he gets it wrong... As fans who are analysing the game and analysing the club that we love, we're allowed to be crit critical or sceptical about... And after the United game, they deserved the criticism. But after yesterday, they deserved the positive feedback. And that's what we've got to do as fans. And I think sometimes people don't get that there is a, a balance and sometimes you have to be critical, sometimes you have to praise. Well, given that City's uh, last defeat, uh, the one that hurt everybody was the United game, and now it's City versus United in the semi-finals of the Carabao Cup. After that, after that victory against Leicester, I presume if you were in any way doubting it, I mean, actually, I spoke to people after the Oxford game on on the YouTube vlog, and it was like this was before the draw, by the way. You know, who do you want? Oh, come on, want to beat United. Bring on United. We want United. So there was a lot of positivity, despite the fact I hate that we lost the derby. Well, that's a different viewpoint, and you're entitled to express that. Now we've got them, and now, you know, first of all, there's the, will they do the same that they did in the derby? And then there's the other side, which you go, they can't win at Watford. You know, they're obviously still not very good, and we just had an off day. So where are you now with this? Is it like, bring them on, come on, we're going to Wembley? Yeah. I feel, yeah, I do feel a little bit like that, and maybe it's kind of clouded my judgment that the part, we've had such a, a good fortnight since because it was a little bit dismal after the United defeat, and we were we were kind of, you know, analysing the fixtures, and we were like, oh God, Leicester Wolves, and, and we were a bit down, but we're right to be in that position because the United game was poor, and it was the desire that was missing for me that really really annoyed me, but now we're in this position hopefully we'll learn from the mistakes the counter does scare me because of the pace and the threat but we know what we're capable of doing and playing I don't think he'll make the same mistake again and I know that we get criticised as fans at the Etihad but having the second leg at home that place should be absolutely bouncing everybody should be turning up I'm not giving like a you know a rally cry but uh, there's no excuse you can give a rally there. cry if you Seriously, want Emily seriously everybody should be turning up to that game and just raising the roof for it because we want to get to Wembley I like going you know the Carabao people knock it and say it's a bit of a Mickey Mouse but still a trophy at the end of the day you know is. so I like I like it Wembley's the, our second home and I'm I'm, I'm, ex I'm, ex I'm actually excited I hate playing United I hate Derby Day but I'm excited if you think about the last time we played them in the League Cup, that was rocking, wasn't it? I think they turned the lights off in the stadium. I've spoke to him about doing that again. I'm not sure whether it's a possibility Explaining, again. Explaining, by the way, just to remind you that he's on the City Matters Committee. Yeah. I don't want to be like, oh, I'm in the know, by the way. I know everything. But uh, yeah, I have tried to speak to him about that because I think that night the atmosphere was brilliant. I hope we can um, recreate that. And it, obviously the, the way the first leg goes might depend on how the atmosphere is. If we need to 
go into that game and win, I don't know. But I think being at home second leg will definitely help. And I think, like you mentioned, Emily, I think we've learnt, we, sh we should have learnt from our mistakes. Going into that Leicester game, I was a bit concerned because I was like, well, they do the same as United, but they do it better. They have better quality. On our day, we're a million miles better than United. Look at them today. They're shambolic. But I think that the, the, the fact that they, they played to their... They played the best way to beat City against us. Obviously, against Watford, they're going to play a different system. They're going to sit back, and that doesn't help United because then they have to create chances. Against us, they were brilliant. You can't deny that. But I think if we play with KDB and Bernardo in the middle again, I think we'll have learnt from our mistakes, like you mentioned, and we are a million miles better than them. The on that basis, shows up, so we should beat them. On that basis, if you look at the fixtures, uh, we play Port Vale, of course, in the FA Cup on the Saturday, and uh, they play Wolves. So they've got a much tougher game, and I would imagine, looking at the way the fixtures fall, that City will actually play a relatively weak team, relatively, um, <laughs> an, an Oxford away type team yeah. against Port Vale, and then they will be able to field a very strong or strongest team against United at Old Trafford and last time this happened in the semis Pep fielded a weaker team and we lost United over two legs and there was a bit of negativity from some fans saying well did he not realise a bit like you saying about the players Emily about the last derby do they not know what it means to us it's a Manchester derby and you shouldn't just be sort of taking it as another game this time hopefully that won't happen because A there's been the lesson of the match two weeks ago and B there's been the lesson of the two-legged semi-final from three years ago so you would hope and that puts City in a different, more optimistic perspective, shall we say. I hope he does go with it. Obviously, against Port Vale, he'll have to feel like, we stay a week inside, but look at how Bellis and Garcia. Oh, yeah. I want to see more of them because they are the future. And I thought they were both fantastic against Oxford. Obviously, everybody's banging the folding drum, and rightfully so, because I think he's absolutely magnificent. So, you know... Fair play. And we've got that, that ability to rotate. We're so lucky that we've got the strength in depth with that. And obviously Laporte will be coming back soon as well. Sane is training again. How exciting is that? And I love that Sane's all over social media, giving it the come on City. Yeah, There's, there's even there's, talk now of, of offering him a new contract extension yeah. and offering double in his money, which if that happens, I will be very excited because I'm a, a big Leroy Sane fan. And I was just, I was getting to the point where I just thought it seems inevitable that he's going to go to Bayern Munich for the first First time now, I'm thinking maybe that isn't going to happen. There's still rumours flying around, obviously, and there's yeah. like mischief makers and stuff. But I like the encouraging signs on on social media. Maybe somebody's telling him to do that. Maybe I'm naive. I don't know. But it's good to see, isn't it, from the sidelines that he's, he's supporting the team and it's it's encouraging. But going into that period there's so many big games like we touched a bit on Real Madrid as well so we'll need the strength in depth and we're lucky that we've got it so I'm excited for the Port Vale game just to, because I like to see the youngsters play as well and get their chance and against Oxford yeah it wasn't great but it didn't and Oxford by the way played brilliantly they really took it to us love yeah. the manager as well he was full of praise for us he was brilliant um, but we did enough and that's all that matters in that kind of a thing no disrespect to Watford because like I've just said they were fantastic. They they took the game to us, and it was it made it quite a spectacle to watch. But we just edged it, obviously. So that pretty much sums it all up. That um, sorry, <laughs> she's good, Emily. Isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, like you say with Sane. Is 
he's for me he's a Rolls Royce player. He's that he's that poster boy for us, and I'd I'd throw everything at him to get him to stay. He's that one player where um, along the lines of De Bruyne, where when you when you are down or or like struggling to create something, he's got that. So I, I I don't know what what the just the, the almost pizzazz or is that is that even a thing? Yeah. But like yeah, you can just you know run at someone, cut inside, bang goal. You know, uh, Schalke away, perfect example. We were pretty poor, uh, free kick, thirty yards out. You know, we're through kind of thing. And he's he's just I I just throw everything at him to stay. I think I, I haven't got a bad word to say about him. I do think I get the impression that. Um, that Pep is overly harsh on him personally. Watching from the sidelines, I feel that especially after watching Mares all season and the previous, he, when you see him berating Sane on the sideline for not tracking a man or something, and almost especially as a young lad, what is he, twenty-one something like that, and then you've got a season pro in, in Mares who's who's dancing about on the other side. It, it's a little bit disheartening for me because I know I, the future is with Sane, not Mares. Uh, well, I'm not, I don't want to single out Mares, but it's just a, a way of making my point. And so to keep him is a massive. It's almost a new signing come next season, and especially if you can keep him for as long as long as whatever. Because if we want to be this top tier team now with the likes of Madrid, and I think the Madrid tie is massive because in the Champions League, I don't think we've ever really done it against a big team. We beat Barcelona, Barcelona at home, but I went out over the two legs. So. You've got to you've got to cement yourself in the top tier, like I said, like like De Bruyne's doing by beating these top teams and not selling your best players. You know, Real Madrid they keep they keep the players until they don't need them anymore. Barcelona they don't get rid of Messi, they keep Suarez until he's not needed anymore. If we keep doing the same, then we are that top level. Absolutely. I, I will say though, um, just pick up about the Sane and Pep thing. I, I, I don't mind that about Pep. I, I get your point about um, maybe overcritical, but I like Pep's tough love aspect to it because Sane can be lazy and that's his one flaw that he, he doesn't track back as often as he should because it's a team effort. Even Aguero started tracking back. Aguero's become a much more complete player because he gets a rollicking from Pep if he doesn't. And I don't mind seeing it because it'll only improve his game. I, I remember there was a game where Sterling was... Um, we'd obviously won and he was like showing off doing stepovers huh. and stuff. And Pep absolutely bollocks him. He took him to one side and the cameras were on him and he's like in his face going mad and it's... It, sometimes it may, it may seem like over the top, but look how much Sterling's improved overall. I don't mind it. Do you not think it's a little bit of like performative anger though? Because I, I get really frustrated by it. When I was like, I remember at Norwich and we were absolutely awful and Pep never got off his seat. Yeah. And it drives me insane when you see us 5 up at home yeah. and, he's, and, he's, and he's berating Sterling for, for not doing a 1-2 or something. It does... Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to come out here and people go, oh, Nathan's being negative, he's slagging off Pep. But it does sometimes No, but that does drive me mad as well when he's sat there and you want to be like, when you actually want him on the sidelines yeah. and, 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 you know, giving it the big ones and he's just sat there sulking, it's like... Get off your ass! Yeah, and, him now. And then, and then we're we're beating someone eight 0 and he has to go because they've not they've not done a they've not passed it across the six yard box, and it does yeah. it gets on my nerves. Like, Going back to Sane though, I'm I'm quite pessimistic. I think he's gone. To be honest, I think if he was if he was to stay, why would he have not just signed a contract already? The fact that he's got injured seems a bit no, it's not convenient. I'm not saying he got injured to, uh, to make his move, but. 
if he was to stay, why would he have not have done it already? I think that Bayern seems the perfect club for him. He's obviously a young German lad. He wants to be the poster boy in Germany, I think. Bayern, he would tear it up in that league because their defenders aren't as great as ours. You look at the way Gnabry, he struggled in England. He's gone to Germany. He's doing brilliant for Bayern now. I think Sane would ultimately be a brilliant player for Bayern I'd love it if he stayed I want him to stay don't get me wrong and I think he does give us that extra bit of creativity going forward he gives us a different um not sure what the word is he gives us a different feel than Sterling and Mares. whereas well, it's his pace it gives it a different yeah, dimension doesn't it, it? De- definitely does give us a different dimension so I would be happy if he did stay I'm not saying I want him to but I'm of the opinion that I think he'll be gone and if he does, it's up to us to replace him. I think it'd be something we're not used to. I think Ian Acho's our most valuable uh, player we've sold for like 25, 30 million, which isn't a lot. We've always managed to keep our best players, which is something I think the club deserve credit for, making sure that our best players are always here and they're always happy to stay. Um, but like yeah, when Shawnee it, Wright went to Chelsea... We were all a bit heartbroken about that, weren't we? That was, well, I did. That I good. did throw in that my son had mentioned about the possibility of selling somebody like Sterling, and and, and there was outrage at that suggestion. Uh, it wasn't particularly about selling Sterling. The point. The point was that given that City are under this massive scrutiny from UEFA, rightly or wrongly, and the FFP rules, etc., that if you sell one of these these um, these diamonds in your squad and you can actually bring in a hundred and odd million pounds you negate the effects of FFP it means you can go out then and spend that money on one or two other players especially if you go and find two that are coming up that you're buying at the right price look at what Liverpool did Ex- exactly mm. that's a great example so um, maybe that's what's going on with Sane. I mean, you mentioned about both two of you have mentioned that the, use the expression poster boy. And if you look back at the vlog that I did right at the beginning of my channel, it was in America on pre season. And I was talking to American City fans and American fans in general on a tram or something going to the game, I think, in Houston. And they was and I said, Who who is the city players that you you know that you recognise, that you know? And Leroy Sane was even then, this is two and a half three years ago uh, that was the name that popped up and I said well and I was quite surprised by that because I thought they'd gone for Aguero or Yaya Torre or Vincent or whatever you know but no it was Leroy Sané and said why that because he's young he's he's fresh he's got this image you know he he goes he, he is the the poster boy of City so he still is so, um, Since he's been out, you've noticed Sterling become a bit more of a poster boy. I mean, look at him doing his H&M adverts. <laughs> yeah, and maybe. It, I think he's just signing like mega, mega money. Is it Nike deal? I can't remember who it's for. But he's just right. signing. I think Nike were trying to get him to be like a global brand ambassador for like 100 million or something ridiculous. So he's kind of become a little bit more, but probably only because Sadi's been out injured. So it's just interesting. So on the on the uh, the draw for the Champions League, obviously most City fans now seem to be accepting that the title's gone. Statistically, we know it hasn't, and it seems unlikely that 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 bridge will be closed because Liverpool are showing no signs at the moment of of dropping points or collapsing, and City would have to win every game, and still there'd have to be a turnaround of Liverpool dropping a lot more points than they have done in the first half of the season. So here's a question for you. First of all, how do you fancy the draw against Real Madrid? Uh, the second leg, of course, is at the Etihad, and is now, we've had discussions of this on the podcast in the past, is the Champions League now more important than the Premier League? 
without a doubt for me. Um, like like you say, because the league, the league's not, every time we win a game, I feel like, oh, we can do it, we can do it. And then we draw one and I think, oh, it's over, it's over, it's over. But it's like, but I, I just think, especially because it is Real Madrid, I think, I look at it a, a bit. I look at it a bit differently if we were playing like Dinamo Kiev in the round of sixteen or something. But because we are playing, which is the biggest club in the world, in in the round of sixteen, the team that went out in the round of sixteen last year. So we want to make a point. I think we've got to throw everything at it because to, for us to go out there and make a statement against them in their own backyard, I don't. I think as an entire club, it it makes a it's a good message to pass round. Because uh, I I think we can go out there and instead of worrying about what they're gonna do to us, I think they they're the ones that'll be worrying. You know what? You know City are gonna come here and we've got to be careful because City have got you know Sterling, Mares, Aguero, De Bruyne, and so they'll be looking at Sane, uh, Sane, but hopefully they'll be looking at us and going, we need to be careful here. These these are good. Right. Yeah, completely agree. I think they're there for the taking. I don't know if that sounds maybe foolish, but I think we're more than capable of going there and getting something. I think, obviously, when we when we played them last time... Oh, didn't really go it for was, it, did we? No, it, and that was the disappointing thing. We really didn't, we, we didn't go for it, but it's kind of... Oh, the league's not gone until it's mathematically <coughs> impossible, but we've got to be realistic, haven't we? And Liverpool are just... The luck that they've got at the moment is just unbelievable. If he looks with you, he looks with you. Do you know what I mean? When you're watching him, it's just like oh. But anyway, so we're not really looking at Liverpool at the moment because it's, you know, they're not they're relentless, aren't they? And fair play for them, to them for that. So I think Pep will now be judged on the Champions League. Um, the hierarchy, the club want it. Certain certain fans want it. I. Personally, yeah, happy days if we do it. But the Premier League is where it's at for me. I've always, I've never shied away from that. Um, but I think as a club and for Pep at City, the Champions League, we have to win it. I, I was, I was a real, I, I just, I'm not sure. I haven't decided. I think it's easy to say in hindsight, I think with Liverpool being so far ahead to say, yeah, the Champions League's more important. I would always say at the start of the season, I would prefer to win the Premier League over the Champions League. But I think there are other factors you have to take into it now. If we were to win the Champions League and not win the league, I'd be still buzzing. So I, I, it's not like if I had to have one or the other, I'd prefer the Premier League. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be sad if we win the Champions League. There are a, a few other factors, I think. David Silver, it being his last year, maybe Aguero's. I think he might have one more year left in him. But it'd be the last chance for him to win it. If Pep were to leave without winning the Champions League at City, I think that does a bit of damage to his legacy as a manager. I'm not saying I'm really that bothered about it, um, but I think in terms of him, he'll want to win it. And if he didn't, I think that would be a real shame if he did leave City without winning the Champions League. But as a fan, of course, we want to be respected by teams all around the world. You see Liverpool going on about how, oh, you're the champions of England, but we're the champions of <coughs> Europe. So I wonder if that narrative will change if uh, we swap trophies this season. But I, I'd, I'd be happy to win it. I think maybe now that the league's probably gone, we can put a little bit more focus into it. And if we have Laporte back, Sane, if he stays around, he'll be back. So I think we should go into that game with confidence. And I think we've, we've beat Barcelona at home. 
um, a few seasons ago. I think we can compete with the best now and we should go into that game with full confidence and I think we will beat them over the two legs. I do think, rightly or wrongly, we will be judged on whether we do win the Champions League or not, whether it's under Pep's tenure or not. But I'm just so frustrated because... Last season, we didn't get the, even the credit that was due to us for what we won last season and won. the season before. The past two seasons, you know, we never get the plaudits or the praise. And we've been phenomenal the past two seasons. I don't know whether I should be offended or not, but it's kind of predictable now. The, the media will always find some kind of flaw to find or some kind of nitpick to go at us for it. But we, you should be giving us a stand innovation. Apparently, winning all the trophies in England means absolutely nothing until you win the Champions League. So I do feel like it's kind of like this, this, this kind of monkey on our shoulder. And until we win it, it won't go away. And it's something that other fans and, and critics and the media will be able to hold over our heads until we win it. And then even then, when we do win it, then Liverpool fans will turn around and go, oh, but we've won it like six times, you know, catch up with us. And it's just frustrating. I do definitely think that domestic games and cup competitions are a better barometer of a team's performances than uh, European uh, competitions. I think in, Euro in Europe, teams genuinely or generally uh, tend to play the same way. I think... Um, teams fall into a trap of trying to play a certain way in Europe so I find Champions League games quite a bit slower and teams trying possession based but if when you, when you look at uh, domestic competitions in the league you've got teams that play in, in different ways so you have every every week you've got to adapt your performance to the team so you'll play you'll play uh, Leicester like you did last, last week where you've got the pace of Vardy and then you'll play You'll play uh, Bournemouth and they'll play passing. And then you, we've got Sheffield in a couple of weeks. They'll play with the wingers. It's, it's a much better uh, judge of a team how they can adapt and cope to different things for me than it is a what is basically a, a just, a, I think, some, a bit of a marketing exercise in the Champions League. That's a pretty good point. Honestly, last week we talked a little bit about um, whether an open me microphone's just gone a bit wonky. Um, I'll just, I'll just borrow, borrow yours for a second. Um, did we did talk a little bit last week on the podcast as to um, you know expanding the Champions League, so I won't go into that again. So let's move on to a slightly different subject, which is uh, Arteta moving to Arsenal. Um, and he made a comment after he moved there to say that he'd looked for assurances that he could be the ultimate replacement to Pep and wasn't given those reassurances and cited that as one of the reasons that he left and moved to Arsenal. What do you, if anything, do you read into, first of all, Mikel Arteta's decision to move? Are you gutted that he's moved? Or as I think Jose Mourinho hinted, uh, you know, he's, he's unproven and he's surprised that a club like Arsenal have gone for a, a manager who is completely unproven. And then that expands into the continuing rumours that Pep is either in his last season or certainly in the last 18 months of his time at City, despite the fact that he keeps saying, I'll stay longer if they want me, but the rumours won't go away. So Arteta and Pep are all rolled into one here. Um, what, what do you want to say about those subjects? I think it's, um, I think it's a bit of arrogance from Arteta, if I'm being honest, to, um, to go from being an, what is, is his first um, number two job, I think, I'm right in saying... Um, yeah, it's just yeah. yeah. So to go to to get in a privileged position of being a number two at a, a successful team, and I don't, I can't say how much impact Arteta has had on how we play. But I'm sure it's quite a lot. But to then think that you can go 
from being number two straight to a, a manager of a, a top six team. I feel it's a bit of a, an arrogance. And from, from, I know we're not an Arsenal podcast, but from, from an Ar- Arsenal point of view, I think it's a, a bizarre move, that, especially when Ancelotti was available. You, they, all they need is presence and someone that can the experience to get the club back together and to take someone that's not had that experience. On I that basis, presumably, bizarre. then, you're... you're if Arteta had been seen as the natural next step after Pep, you wouldn't have been in favour of that either, would you? Um, it's hard to say. If if he'd have been nurtured into the role with with just the with the uh, the idea of he was always going to be that, and then he slowly take over from him, so he starts like being the manager for like a couple of games, then I'd be in favour of it because he's had that experience. But chucking someone in cold is 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 just complete arrogance, really. I think, from the board or Arteta themselves. <clears throat> yeah, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be uh, a little bit gutted. I'm not, I'm not being, you know, brutal, but I'm a bit upset that he's gone. I thought he could be a potential successor eventually. Maybe that contradicts what I've just said, but uh, my alarm bells slash question marks now are circling over the fact that there was rumours saying that Pep was going to bring either Zabi Alonso in or Van Bronckhurst to replace him. Fans obviously wanted Cumps, um, but he's just promoted another member of staff. Um, is that because he's going at the end of the season and Poch is waiting for City? Because that's a little kind of rumour that's been floating around. Maybe it's just a rumour or whatever, but it's interesting. Obviously, Pep himself has, has, has spoken at press conferences, etc., and said, no, no, they want me, you know, and, and I'm happy here and I'll happily stay longer. Do you, Are you of the sceptical sort then who thinks he's just saying that because he has to? Or do you, what, what do you think is going to happen? Maybe I'm being a bit, I don't know, reactive, but I'm also wondering what will happen based on what he wins Um and Champions League progression, things like that. If we don't progress to the final of the Champions League, if we don't win it, will he want to stick around and go for it again? Or will he just say, I've had enough and walk away? He won't want to do that because it's it's not really in his nature, but you there's no smoke without fire, is there? Mm. In terms of Arteta, I think it's always a gamble. It's a, it's a gamble for Arsenal, definitely, to take a manager who's who's got no managerial experience. I think there's there's two ways that could go, and it is a, it is a gamble they're going to take. I think from his point of view, I don't blame him for taking it. I think he was the Arsenal captain. He he's loved by the club, by the fans. So hopefully they'll give him a bit more of a chance than they do with, uh, well, well they did with Emery. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it, it was interesting that he was offered the job or, or he was spoke to about the job um, 18 months ago or so and he didn't take it then. So maybe something's changed in the city camp. Um, maybe them assurances that he's not being given have, have swayed him to go, right, well, I, this opportunity's come along. I'd be a fool to turn it down. But I guess time will tell. We, we, we can't make a judgment on how good of a manager he's going to be because we haven't seen him. So he's learned under Pep Guardiola, arguably the best manager of all time, and Arsene Wenger, who's also arguably one of the best managers of all time. That doesn't mean he's going to be a good manager himself, but he'll have definitely learned philosophies from them and he'll have learned from their positives and their mistakes. So I think he said all the right things in his press conference about the players that he's got and if they're not up for it they can get out blah blah but it's easy to talk and another thing to actually do 
but it, it, it'd be a impossible prediction to say, yep, he's going to be a brilliant manager or he's going to be terrible because we literally don't know. Um, I, I was of the opinion that I thought he was going to stay until Pep went and he would have sort of just naturally fell into that position because the players know him, he knows the system, he knows the way the clubs run, etc. So it would have been good to see if he could have stepped up. But then it would be the same thing. He would be coming into the Man City job with no managerial experience. So it would have been a gamble. Matty, is that because City have already got somebody lined up? I don't think so, to be honest. I, I'd be amazed if if we've already got a manager in the pipeline. It would be a shot. I know it happened with Pep. Pep, was, yeah. Pep was announced in January. Um, so I guess there's a possibility, but I think if Pep was to leave at the end of this season without winning a league and the Champions League is a lottery, we might not win that. So you're talking about maybe the FA Cup or League Cup or both as being the only trophies. Would he would that damage his legacy? Would he be talked about as the best manager of all time if he was to fail to win the Champions League with City and leave in a season where they didn't win it all? I was I was thinking that he would rather leave when he's done all he can with City. So he's he's won the league back to back, he's won the Champions League, he's won every domestic trophy. I thought that is when he would say, Yep, yeah, I'm gonna leave rather than oh, I've took us as far as we can, we're on a downhill spiral now, I'm going to leave. So I would be surprised if he does, but th there's always a possibility. I think just to touch on the point that you were saying about uh, you think you'd want to win everything first, but again, I think it's too, for a character like Pep, I find him very hard to judge. He's one minute he's subdued, next minute he's jumping around, and I think the same will, will be when, when he's like making decisions like this. At, at Bayern, he had all the tools there to win everything, and he didn't. He could have. He could. He could have stayed at Bayern instead of coming to us. He had. He had world world class players, probably a better squad than we had, because when he came here, we had not like uh, Sanya and Clichy at fullback, etc. Like he was coming to a, a half baked, you know, project uh, when he had, you know, a, a great team in Bayern. So I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit wishful thinking to think that he wants to stay here and dominate everything because it's a bit. He could have done that already, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think he'll go. I think he'll stay one more year. Um, but like I say, he'll get bored. He's, he's, he's always wanting to create new things or prove people wrong. So I think he'll find another adventure somewhere. Let me just throw this in. I mean, obviously, this isn't a fact, and, and it might not even happen, but. It feels as if the the potential UEFA Champions League ban is still simmering somewhere in the background. We're all forgetting about it, but it's still there potentially as something that could come out from the shadows. Um, if City, this is a big if, but if and obviously a lot of City fans would completely be up in arms if this was to happen. But if UEFA were to kick City out of the Champions League next season, let's say that happened. Would that make a difference? Do you think that's that could be the trigger for Pep to go or or actually maybe a trigger for Pep to stay and say, I'm gonna stay at this club and you know what, we're gonna come back stronger on the other side and we're gonna we're gonna win that and show them. Do do you think that would be a factor if and it's a big if that was to happen? Um I don't I don't think so. I think um I think he He's, he's always going to, as, as long as he's got a short-term idea in his head, he's always going to stay there. So I think at the minute he's persistent in trying to make this team play a certain way and I don't think he'll 
I, I don't want to sound like I'm like contradicting himself, but I don't think he'll leave until this team is playing that certain way. I don't necessarily think it involves winning trophies for him. I think it's more of a, a personal obsession. With Aren't we playing that way, though, already? City play the most magnificent football I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, but I think because like, he's brought in Rodri and... Um, this this season and trying to take over from Fernandinho, I think he wants this this to be like a a new like Pep part two kind of thing, and what one once this succeeds, then I think in his head when when he knows that's done, I think he'll he'll move on then. Interesting thought, gone. I just think it's a bit he's a bit like you know the Frank Sinatra song I did it my way, and he'll just do whatever the hell he wants, and nobody will predict it. And when he goes, he'll just go. And I don't think it'll be something that everybody sees coming. I just think he'll just make the decision and just go. I don't think it'll fall in line with like whether he wins the Champions League or not because remember the headlines about Aguero, I'll stay at City until they win the Champions League. Aguero will go at the end of next season. There's no doubt about that. I'm not, I'm not saying that you three think that he's going to, but if he was going to, why do you think it would be? Personally, what, what reason the, the, do you think he would want to leave at the end of the The slight season? warning signs for me are the fact that his, his wife and daughter are commuting backwards and forwards to Barcelona. I think, personally, there's a perception that VAR is something that is, is working against City. I know there's a lot of City fans out there who think it is absolutely corrupt everything. I don't buy into that, but I do think that... Perhaps, you know, there is a perception, enough of a perception for that to be seen as a big negative. Um, I also think that this UEFA shadow hanging, hanging over City, because I still think it could happen that, that, that City could get further sanctions, whether it be a ban or whatever. I think that's hanging in the air. They've been restricted in terms of what they can spend. That's fairly obvious with FFP. So I think there are a few different factors. And obviously, then you, you look at his body language in press conferences and that up and down nature that you've touched on. And it feels as if this season we haven't seen the same spark consistently in Pep. So those are the reasons that I would throw into the mix. Doesn't seem mean to say I'm right yeah, yeah. or that that will happen, but if that's the evidence that you're looking for, that would be what I'd say. Um, and I wouldn't blame him really with with the media in this country because, like I that's say, I, I, like I say, I, I'm not saying that he needs his... his um, belly rubbing or whatever but he's just not had the praise for everything that he's achieved at City already and it's just so so frustrating um, and also yesterday with the crowd at the game he was constantly trying to conjure up the crowd yeah, and that. I mean he was doing it all the time and I kind of get it because the atmosphere is so embarrassing at the Etihad I get it but he looked livid and I'm not saying he's always going to leave because of that, but he really did. He, he looked, I, I he looked really, factor, really, really, really angry. I don't angry. feel like he feels appreciated. I think he's mentioned it before about the Champions League when the stadium's not been full and he's like, why? he feels like, why are our fans not turning up for this? The fact that he was making the gestures towards the fans to make noise. He mentioned it in his press conference as well after the game. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what he was trying to refer, but he was like, the energy's not been there, uh, maybe from our fans. I don't know if it was lost in translation, but it felt like he was saying that the the fans haven't uh, shown support for the players. And I'm not sure if he, he's had the same loving with City um, as maybe as maybe a club or maybe with the fans that he's had in the past with Bayern and, and Barca. I know 
we've seen like the the video from Leicester a few years ago where he was orchestrating and you thought oh there is a, a connection between him and the fans there but I don't think that connection's still really there between him and the fans um, I'm not saying he, he doesn't like City or he, he doesn't want to be here but I, I feel like he's grown a bit frustrated with the fan base a little bit well, let's move on to another subject that I said we were going to talk about, which is the story that uh, we're recording this on a Sunday evening that sort of broke on the day, which is off topic in terms of it's not specifically City, um, but it's something obviously I care about because I'm a YouTuber these days and I produce content for City's website as well as for my own YouTube channel. Sometimes the two are slightly different, but fundamentally there's not a great deal of difference. And when I decided to, to create a YouTube channel uh, as my new career as it were uh, after I left the BBC uh, two and a half years ago um, I, I looked at what Arsenal Fan TV were doing and the numbers that they were getting and uh, the massive uh, funds that were being generated because they've been sponsored by by huge companies uh, and, and and I believe getting a, a massive income out of it enough to be able to to pay, I think, contributors, which I wish I could do to you guys, and you're always here out of the kindness of your heart, which I really appreciate, uh, but they created a, a platform which uh, made superstars of some of the contributors, well, I say superstars, relatively speaking, you know, troops and people like that that you've heard of, um, which you wouldn't have done, um, so... They've created that and it's worked for them. It's a model that's worked for them, but it was also a model that was built on being very critical of Arsene Wenger during the end part of his career when the crowd were very much split. And it felt to me, my son used to feed this back to me, that he would watch Arsenal fan TV to have a laugh at the Arsenal fans. And I, I made a conscious effort at the beginning of my story because I'm a lifelong blues, gone home and away, obsessed and everything. And I love the club, I love the fans, I am a fan. And I thought I am not going to create a channel which ridicules City fans or or makes for a negative uh, viewpoint. Now, you, you know, if people want to come on my channel and be negative... I'm not, I don't ban them, I don't, I don't restrict them, I don't go looking for them either. And actually, when I get contributions to the Forever Blue YouTube channel, um, I pretty much put everybody on that I meet. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't go up to them and say, what do you think about this? And then when they tell me, I think, right, I'll put you on, but I'm not putting you on. It is very natural and organic the way it is. And I hope that means that the comments that I get after the game, particularly, but beforehand, are naturally organic and reflective of what people are really thinking rather than it being this artificial negativity. So given that that's my opinion of what Arsenal Fan TV is either become or was from the start, depending on your opinion, um, now it was interesting that the Everton-Arsenal game, that there were the whole of the away end singing anti-Arsenal TV songs, basically get out of our club without doing the expletives. And I saw a video that went quite viral on, on Twitter of Robbie, who runs that channel, being um, harassed and that song being sung to him outside the ground. And that seems to have been a big U-turn from this massively successful fan channel. So I'm just in interested to know what you think. I, I know what I think. And I've told you the way that I think when I when I create my channel, but I'm curious to know whether how important. I mean, obviously, don't talk about my channel because then that becomes, um, you know, uh, for the wrong reasons. But just generally speaking, are you a, fa a fan of these channels? Are you? Would you prefer them? The, the problem with my model, if you like, is that I don't get the same numbers as Arsenal Fan TV, partly because 
Arsenal fans are probably more numerous around the world, but also because I don't do that negativity. So all of the fans of other clubs probably aren't that interested in watching the stuff that I put out. It's mainly aimed at, at City fans. Uh, so which makes it harder financially as a model to work, but that's my problem. But do you, as a as a fan, value the uh, a more um, you know f- more positive approach, or or is, is is am I out of touch? And should it be more about negativity and 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 you know clickbait and trying to get people to interact and be more controversial? I don't think it would work. I mean, I mentioned this to you before. I think City and Arsenal are completely different clubs, and there's a lot more of a, a yo-yo feel about Arsenal and a bit of a comedy value to them. I don't think you really get that with City. I mean, we've won the title the last two years. So you're not going to get people on spam in rubbish every week and I think Arsenal fan TV TV, I think he's done a great job of highlighting them sort of outspoken idiots but I don't think would you enjoy sitting here listening to people going oh what pep out blood and all this like every week no you want to have a genuine conversation about City and an intelligent conversation you don't just want people coming to your channel to laugh at your videos do you because that's what Arsenal fan TV is 90% of their viewers aren't Arsenal fans it's other fans going oh this is going to be enjoyable let's watch them have a meltdown about Arsenal again and I think that doesn't happen with City I think with your vlog and other City vlogs that happen and the podcast you can say exactly people come because they want to hear a conversation about City and get different views because we we don't sit here and ever argue with each other. We all have different opinions. But on Arsenal Fan TV, they're all shouting at each other and it becomes a comedy show and it, it is embarrassing to me. I think the constant viewers on that channel, uh, the constant contributors on that channel uh, are moronic at times. Not all of them. I think some of them are, have got good opinions and they want to have a conversation. But half the time, they're arguing with each other and shouting and they've got people behind them being leery. It, it does become a bit embarrassing. I, that doesn't mean there's not a place for it on YouTube. It does great numbers and he certainly cashed in on them numbers. Um, but I just think I wouldn't want that at City. I wouldn't want people coming to a Man City channel to, to laugh at us or, or watch people fighting and arguing over that. So I do understand the frustration from Arsenal fans that their club has become a bit comical on YouTube, but th- there's still a place for it because people enjoy seeing it, but I just I wouldn't want it at City, that's all. God, I'm so relieved we've got nothing like that at our club, honestly. Uh, that, that kind of fan media is, is not welcome whatsoever at City, and I hope that it never comes. We did have one. Uh, who I, I kind of suspect, I won't name them by name, but if if we were playing poorly or whatever, if there was issues, I think it would have gone down that road of Arsenal fan TV, but they, they don't look like they're, they're around anymore. They've not been around for the past season. Um, I'm so, so glad we haven't got it. But I went through a stage of absolutely loving watching Arsenal fan TV. I'd, me and my fella would put it on when they got beat, you know, during the Wenger out kind of days, get it on the uh, telly. And I used to love Claude. I met him outside Wembley. I saw him all filming and I went up to Claude and I was like give, flicking in the visa. Hey, just beat you. Hey, how are you feeling, Claude? I was filming him in his face. And he took it all in good spirits. He was really down. But uh, I think they were just so fed up at that point with the whole Wenger situation and him shouting about carrying him out in a coffin and everything. Um, and But I will say that I did meet them again outside the Etihad filming. Um, me and Adam off the podcast um, went over to just speak to him. There was DT and a few others who were filming with Robbie 
and they were so disrespectful. We were trying to hold, like Matty said, a mature adult conversation like we do on the podcast and who are we trying to kid because all they kept coming out, out back at us with, we just beat them obviously so they weren't feeling great. You've got no history. You've got every time we tried to make a point in our faces going, but you've got no history. We've got no history. And I was like, look, I said, I think it was before it, it, it was before last season. And I was like, history isn't defined by trophies. I said, you've got no idea what we've been through as fans. I said, I was there every game, home and away, Division 2. I lived, breathed that season, all the seasons around it. I've been the length and breadth of the country to loads and loads of stadiums, like 60 plus stadiums watching my club. And, his, and how dare you insult me by trying to define history as trophies. It, it, they were so embarrassing and they were really aggressive as well. So from that point on, I kind of had a different perspective of Arsenal fan TV and I stopped watching it. So the laughter went out of it for me because I realised actually they are a bit of a joke and they're a joke to the club and I'm kind of glad that they're seeing it now. I don't really have a problem with the idea of a fan channel. I think uh, they work well. It pains me to say, but I think full-time Red Devils does a good job. Um, Anfield Rap was probably the first one that um, set off the trend. And the thing with Arsenal Fan TV is, I think it's a problem that's manifested itself within that channel itself because none of the other ones seem to have a problem. I think one of the reasons why the City channel doesn't exist anymore is because it didn't create the characters within the channel. Um, Arsenal Fan TV puts out maybe 30 videos after a game with uh, normal people just coming out like like us ourselves, you know, coming out and saying how they feel. but it doesn't. Nobody seems to know about it because they just go for the Claude and the the DT and and that's where I think people have the problem with it. That they have a problem with the fact that people have created a character out of uh, being on there and and they've almost like alienated the views of other people with the with the uh, aggression and fighting, and that's where the, I think that's problem with. I think. I, you know, Ian, uh, you said you you know Robbie and he's a nice fellow, but I think he needs to uh, just rein back the 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 um, the characters in it. Basically, they need to stop, you know, almost fishing. I think because um, I know I know I've noticed because I've watched them for years. I've noticed that they have tried to take themselves. So like uh, you were saying, Emily, about them having people in the back and etc. I've noticed that they have tried to take themselves away from that, and then but it's just the problems just seem to follow them because they do get the numbers, and I, I'm I kind of feel sorry for them because it does it is it is a prob it is a it is a problem that they that they've created themselves almost, but it's it's not it's not their fault in a way. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just grateful, speaking personally, that I've got three sponsors at the moment, two for the YouTube channel and one for the podcast, who, uh, whilst they're not you know, massive companies who are putting thousands and thousands of pounds in, who like the fact that what I'm trying to achieve on, on uh, my channels is a bit more respectful, because the word respect to me is the most important uh, word in the dictionary, both to City fans, fellow City fans, but also to opposition fans. And whilst we might poke fun a little bit now and again, I think the stuff that uh, that I do anyway is, is is meant to be more respectful. But it's harder. It's harder as a business to to make that work. Anyway, um, City have got big games coming up over you over uh, Christmas. 
we've we've already used our allocated time. It's I mean it doesn't have to be specific, but I don't want to go on too long now. So we've got games against Wolves on the twenty seventh, Sheffield United uh, two days later, six o'clock kickoff because of the late finish on the Friday, which is a bit awkward. Uh, just quickly, what what do you think of those games? I mean, are those games now, given the the emphatic victory against Leicester, the emphatic victory against Arsenal? You know, the, the success that City have had in recent games away in Europe, Burnley, just that one slip against United. Are you feeling far more confident now about Wolves and this team, Sheffield United, who never drop points when they're away from home? Um, I think they are definitely games that we could slip up in. But I think after the last two games against Arsenal and Leicester, I'm a lot more confident going into them. I think the the job Chris Wilder's doing at Sheffield United is fantastic. If it was away from home, I'd be a lot more worried. Because um, I think at home they've, they've got the atmosphere, they've got the noise. I think it was, it's going to be... I think we go there in middle of January, maybe. It's not long. A, a night game as well. So I think that is going to be tough. At home, I'd fancy us against any team in the world, though. So I'm confident that we can that we can get the win there. And Wolves away, yeah, it could be a tough game, but I think we have the quality to to beat both of them sides. So there's no reason for me to be negative going into them. I think our last two performances have been brilliant. And if we're on our game again, we'll get the two wins. So I'm not too worried. I think the, the time of the game is a bit of a joke, but that's the Premier League for you and that's the TV companies for you. And that's just something that we unfortunately have to accept. But it's not on TV, is it? The Sheffield United game, it's just been moved to give us more breathing space. Oh. I'm nice. a teeny bit more nervous than Matty because Wolves have already beat us at home and yeah, Sheffield sure. United travel away very well. Their, their, their form is away rather than at home. So that's why I'm a little bit more nervous. But Be positive. Yeah, why not? I mean, like... We're, this needs to be a run now. This 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 fortnight now. This needs to be a springboard that we we gain momentum, gain consistency, become more clinical, and uh, breed positivity. Because why not? After what we've been witnessing, after the Leicester game as well, we've got every single reason to be optimistic. It's just. It's just if teams counter, that's that's the only concern for me. But I'll always bang the drum of attack is our best form of defence and it's been proven. So we've just got to try and keep at it and, and keep playing that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the next few months, to be honest. I, because we've had um, a up and down season, I don't trust City this season and it's made me enjoy the games more because I don't know what's going to happen it, dare I say the last two seasons we were a bit predictable because we were so good um, but like it's it's um, I, I'm really looking forward to it you know, Wolves is a great trip away it's a really good test great great ground and atmosphere and then for Chris Wilder to turn up having to not lost away for 12 months uh, you know let, let, bring it on brilliant well, I'd just like to say uh, uh, thank you very much to the three of you, Matty, Nathan and Emily, and to all the people who contribute to the podcast. We started it in January of 2019, so we're coming towards the, the end of the first 12 months. Uh, for all the people who've downloaded the podcast, who subscribed, who've said such lovely comments about it, because broadly speaking, it's always really positive, the reaction to it, even when they disagree, the listeners. Even a little when bit. I'm on. Yeah, <laughs> even when you're on, Matty. Um, coming up in the new year, by the way, I mentioned uh, before 
City Matters, which Matt is part of. We're going to do a bit of a special on uh, on City Matters, so that's something to look forward to in the new year. But uh, but thanks very much, everybody, for listening. It, it means the world to us that you you want to listen, that you enjoy what we do. Thanks very much to charleslewy.co.uk, the Chartered Mortgage Advisors who sponsor us. Really appreciate your support, guys. And if you are thinking of buying a house or somebody in your family is or friends or whatever, recommend them and get some advice off their website. Um, we're going to continue on with another podcast uh, immediately after the uh, the Sheffield United game. So it will, it'll either be that night or the following day. Not quite sure when we're going to do the the uh, the the logistics of that, but there will be another podcast. So if you're religious or if you're not religious, um, I know these days you, you know, you're always treading on eggshells when you say something <laughs> like "Have a happy Christmas" because that might offend somebody. It, it won't offend you, will it? Because Christmas is a celebration that that whether you're religious or not, we all we all share and we all have. So have a lovely Christmas. Enjoy the festive football. Enjoy your turkey if you're having that and uh, and keep being a blue because it's the best thing in the world, I think. And we'll see you again on Forever Blue okay, next time. The city We're only one <laughs> Pelig... What? I don't know where I went then. Anyway, have a lovely time. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>